Um, we're pumped, but hey, we are, um, we are in a series right now. We're calling it Now What? And we're just picking different stories in the book of Acts, really asking the question, okay, so what, what does life look like after Jesus rose from the dead? And sometimes when we think about that, or we think about what the resurrected Christian life looks like, we at times will put unrealistic expectations on ourselves, um, just for maybe because we feel like this that we should. And one of the areas where that comes out is through the area of, of conflict. And if, if, I, if I think about 2020, if I had to use one word to describe 2020, it would probably be coronavirus. But if I had to use two, I would say coronavirus and polarizing. I mean, gosh, has this year not been polarizing in every single way? I mean, I think if we go back to the first time we shut down, it was May, I think it was May 12th, May, yeah, May, or March 12th was our first Sunday that we shut down. I think everybody was kind of in agreement. We're like, okay, we don't know what this thing is like. Um, and so, okay, that makes sense. And for the first six weeks, everybody's kind of on this together. And then, then the conversation started coming nationally and, and, and locally about, okay, so how do we reopen our economy? And um, about, it was, I don't know, middle of May, we decided as a, as a state to reopen our economy. And then the church came back to in-person services on, on May 31st. And really, that was when things started to get really polarizing, isn't it? That people have really strong opinions about how to do that and what that should look like. And I think that you can just look at social media and see where people land on that type of stuff. So you got that in May where this really intense conversation about reopening the economy and, and then it kind of starts happening and then we get in the middle of the summer and as we go into the summer, then this issue with masking happens and um, I even hate saying the word mask in this room because I know that some of you are just like mad that I even said the word, right? Like it's like a, it's a five letter word if you make it plural, but it's four letters if we don't and so we want to be really careful with that and there's really strong opinions on both sides, like what do we do with this? And then now here we are as we're approaching the holiday season, and, and, and if you turn on the news, what's the conversation? It's like, well, do you, do you have your holiday dinner, or do you sit out your holiday dinner? And I just, I imagine that's going to be a pretty hot-button topic with people, too. Not to mention that 2020 was, a, was an election year, which naturally just causes people to pick sides, and so it's been pretty polarizing, right? And so now we're getting ready to go to, we're going to be around our family for the next couple months, and and I just imagine that probably some of those issues are going to make their way into your family gatherings, I would imagine. And then not to mention that, you know, here we are in a church. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that those issues don't make their way into the church. And, and what happens when people are really passionate about polarizing issues is there tends to be conflict, right? Now, what people will do sometimes is when they see conflict, especially when they're looking at the church and they see conflict, they'll say, man... It just shouldn't be like that. Like, they just shouldn't be the way it is in the church. Everybody should just get along. And the fact that they don't, like, what's, what's wrong? And I would say to that, and even just in general with conflict, that that is actually a, an unrealistic way to look at conflict. Because I want to show you a story that happened with two heroes of the faith, where essentially what happened was they both got so mad at each other that they didn't see each other again because they were both so mad at each other. And stories like this are honestly, they're why I trust the Bible. Because if I was writing the Bible, I wouldn't have put this story in here. And so this is Acts chapter 15. It's a story about Paul and Barnabas, two leaders in the early church. And here's what you're going to see. You're going to see conflict 
cause them to do something that you probably wouldn't expect two leaders in the church to do. Look at this here. This is in Acts chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 36. And it says this, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them the one who had drawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, from this text, what we see is we see five, I just want to give you four thoughts and five verses on conflict, okay? That as we go into this season, you know, maybe there's a conflict looming. Maybe when you think of a family gathering in the past, there's a conflict in the past they're trying to shake. Maybe, maybe there's just something that this year, some conflict that has come up naturally with the issues this year. I just want to give you, give you four thoughts on conflict this morning that we see in this text. And the first one is this is that conflict is not necessarily a reflection of where you are spiritually. That conflict is not necessarily a reflection of where you are spiritually. I don't know if you've ever had like a sharp disagreement with someone or you've had a, something where you and another person didn't see eye to eye and maybe it got like heated. If you're like me, if that's ever happened to you, you probably walk away feeling kind of stupid when that happens, Right? Like you probably walk away feeling like maybe it's a reflection of, of who you are. And, and sometimes that, that is the case. But if we look at the, the text here, right, I don't know that we, can, that we can say that's the case. And, and here's what we can say by looking at what Paul and Barnabas are doing here. Is they, like they really got into an intense altercation. I mean, look at, look at this, what it says in verse 39. It says, there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from one another. That the, the language that's here, that's used here, is not, it is suggesting something where they fought. Like they were mad at each other. That this wasn't something where they're like, you know, we're just going to agree to disagree. No, that these are two people who were very close that couldn't see eye to eye on an issue and that it was so polarizing to them that they thought it would be best that they no longer work together. And the reason why I say it's not necessarily, like conflict is not necessarily a reflection of where you are spiritually is because I would consider the sources here in the sharp disagreement. That you have two heroes of the faith. I mean, you've got Paul, okay? And Paul's a guy who, who couldn't be more respected. I mean, he's written large portions of our New Testament that he puts his faith in Jesus because he... Like he's on a road heading to Damascus and Jesus Christ personally shows up to him and presents the gospel to him. That he's just finished taking the gospel places where the gospel had not yet been. Think about that. How many people can say that, that they've done that in their life? I mean, this is a guy who is in step with the spirit. This is a guy who loves Jesus. And then you got Barnabas. And his name literally means encourager. That he's the guy who mentored Paul that he's the guy who helped Paul on these journeys, taking the gospel places it's never been. And yet here they are at a place 
or they can't even see eye to eye. And it just shows us that if you've ever been there, like maybe there's a relationship in your life where you're thinking about it and you're just like, man, that's embarrassing. I just, I can't believe that happened to me. I just can't believe it. And you kind of like beat yourself up over it. I would just say that maybe, like maybe, maybe that's just that's something that happens. Now I would say this though, that if you're one of those people and conflict tends to follow you everywhere you go, then it, it might actually be a reflection of where you are spiritually. That it, I, and, and one of the ways that you can evaluate this is by looking at your life and just asking yourself, what happens when I don't get my way? And if you can't think of a situation recently where you didn't get your way, I'm going to guess the conflict probably follows you around. Like, and I would say, like, how often does this, this thing happen to you? How often do you have relationships that have been marred by conflict? And if it's something where you're like, man, I can point to this, I can point to this, I can point to this, then, then, then there probably is an issue. And I would say that, that if you're wondering if it is, it's probably not the thing to evaluate yourself because you're going to say that it isn't, but it would be something to ask someone close to you if it is an issue. But I'm, I'm really talking to the person because I think that this year has been so combustible in so many ways that maybe some conflict has come, and I would just say to you, if you feel guilty about it, it might not necessarily be a reflection of where you are spiritually. We see that. The other thing we see from this text is this, is we need to be careful with conflict. It's because when conflict comes, we have to be careful not to demonize a person or the person we're in conflict with or to miss the value of the person that we're in conflict with. And this happens a lot, that we get mad at someone, we forget about the issue, and we start saying things about the person. And instead of it being about the issue, it just starts becoming, how do I make this person look and feel stupid for, fe for feeling in a way that's different than the way that I feel? When, when the reality is, is that oftentimes, oftentimes in the middle of a conflict, even if people can be wrong, but they still might have reasons for feeling what they feel. They might have reasons for believing what they believe. And if you zoom out of conflict, what you'll find is you'll, figure, you'll be able to figure this out pretty quickly. I mean, think of this conflict here with, with Paul and with Barnabas. That if we zoom out, what we can see is we can see that both Paul and Barnabas had reasons for thinking the way they think. I mean, look, look at what Paul says here. He's like, Paul thought it not best to take with them Barnabas because he, he had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to work. Now, he's like, I don't think we should take this guy with us on a missionary trip because last time he was with us, he bailed. And now, just like, this is a no-joke missionary trip, okay? Like the last missionary trip that Paul went on People threw rocks at him, and they stopped throwing rocks at him because they thought it killed him. So, like, when, when that's what you're facing, man, you, like, you want, you want people who will stand by your side. You want people who will be there with you, who, for lack of a better, like, who are willing to fight with you. Like, you don't want people who, when things get difficult, they'll jump ship. And, if, and he's looking at Mark, and he's like, you know what, if we can only take so many people, Mark is not the guy, because last time we took someone, 
failed. You actually see this happen in, in Acts. It mentions it in Acts 13, 13. Let me read it to you here. And it says, Now Paul and his companions sent self for Paphos and came to Persia and Pamphylia. And John, this is John Mark, the one they're talking about here, he left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now we don't know, we don't know why John decided to leave. It doesn't say. We don't know why John Mark decided to leave and thought it was, it could have been a good reason, it could have been a bad reason, but here's what we know. We know that for, for Paul, he felt like he was abandoned. And I think that we can all look at Paul's perspective and be like, you know what? Definitely see where he's coming from. Could we admit maybe it's a little cold? Maybe. But does he have reasons for thinking what he thinks? Yeah, I think so. And then you have Barnabas' position. And, and, and Barnabas is thinking, okay, well, I, I, don't, I don't see that. Because first off, you got John Mark, who is Barnabas' cousin. And I think we can all agree that nepotism is a bad thing. <laughs> that sometimes it can be persuasive. And so he's, he's got his cousin, but really from Barnabas' perspective, as you consider the idea of bringing John Mark, his rationale has two things that would be at the heart of the gospel, which is, is grace and forgiveness. I mean, think about it. That we have all done things similar to what Mark did. Like none of us have been perfect in our commitment to Jesus. And yet we still think that we're worthy of his service. Why would Mark have, why would he not be because he did the same thing that we all do? And even if you think about the idea of just abandoning someone, I mean, is that not, like doesn't everybody in the early church kind of have an abandoning story? When Jesus was crucified, what happened? Those closest to him abandoned him. Peter famously denied him three times. Thomas said, hey, I'm not going to believe you have risen until I can touch your wounds. I mean, what Mark did is no worse than any of that. Shouldn't he? And all of those people got to play a prominent role in the church moving forward. Why couldn't Mark get that, that same privilege? And, and, and so I, I say, like, you can see why both people thought what they thought. And with a lot of conflict or a lot of frustration that comes our way, if we just zoom out, I think we can better understand why people have the reasons for thinking what they're thinking. Stephen Covey says it in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective, Highly Effective People, that you seek first to understand before you're understood. And so as, as you consider conflict, as you consider things that maybe come your way, maybe come this season, maybe come through the holidays, it's worth ask, asking yourself a couple questions. So maybe just try to, 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 to not add some fuel to the fire. One of the things is that you should ask yourself is, is there a chance that this person that I'm disagreeing with, is there a chance they're right? Now, none of us are going to say yes to that, but I would say it would be worth asking yourself, why do they think they're right? Like, what is it about, why do they think that they are right? And I think that helps us at least understand where people are coming from. And then another question worth asking yourself as you approach conflict is, is there anything about their position that I do agree with? Is there anything about where they're coming from where I could say, you know, I don't agree with it, but I agree with this part of it? And if you can do that or you can find some type of common ground, 
then what will happen is you'll, you'll stop demonizing people, stop treating them as less, because at least at the very like, basic sense, you'll understand where they're coming from. And if you can do that, then what will happen if a conflict goes too far is you'll be able to move closer to forgiveness. Because when conflicts go too far, if you don't forgive, what happens inevitably is you'll be, become bitter. And what bitterness is, is bitterness is like taking a poison for someone else and hoping that they'll die. And it, it never works. I mean, think of that person that you're super mad at. Think of that, that conversation that didn't go, like the, 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 the thing that never reconciled, and all, those, all the bitterness that has grown in your heart. And ask yourself, like, what good has that done for you? Probably none, right? Well, good is, how much is that bitterness that's going to How much does it actually hurt that person that you're bitter against? If you were to be honest, probably not very much either, has it? And so what we see is we see that really when it comes to conflict, when it comes to, to things where we don't see eye to eye with people, that our only option is forgiveness. Which, which leads me to my third thought this morning is this, is that, that don't let conflict cause you to withhold forgiveness. Because... That's what we want to do, though, is we want to be like, well, since they did this, it's over. Since we did this, it's, it's done. Since we don't, it's, it's, it, that's it. And, and here's what we know about Paul. Like, we don't know a lot about Barnabas after this missionary trip, but we know a lot about Paul. And, and Paul wrote, he wrote a lot in our New Testament after this thing happened, and the last letter that he wrote was a letter called 2 Timothy. And what we know about 2 Timothy is we know that Paul wrote it right before he thought he was going to die. Because in 2 Timothy, he, he actually says that, that death is imminent. Okay, so he is at the very end of his life. And in the last chapter of his last letter, it seems like his life is following the same pattern that it followed in Acts 13. Look at this. He says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. He's at the end of his life. And what keeps happening? People keep leaving him. And he's stuck with Luke, and it just seems like, just based on that verse, that Luke is not very fun to be with. And so he's like, this is, uh, all these people leaving, just Luke. We get it, man, you're a doctor. You wrote a book. Yeah, we understand. Like, that's where he's at. People, so, like, it just put yourself in Paul's situation. You know that you're going to die. You know that it's to the end. You know that you've been faithful to the gospel. You've gone on all these trips. Who do you want to... And, and, and people just keep, like, leaving you. What do you want by your side? People you trust. People you love. People who matter to you. People who you know won't let you down. That's why this next verse, I just think, is it, it's actually really beautiful. Look at this. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in my ministry. Like, that's amazing. I mean, talk about letting bygones be bygones. This is a guy who in Acts 15, he said, nope, can't come with me. And now here he is at the end of his life, getting ready to die. And he says, would, would you do me a favor? Would you go get Mark? He would be very useful. This is a picture of forgiveness. 
this is a picture of saying, I'm going to let the past be the past, but I'm going to choose to forgive. I mean, and Paul, at this place, as he's writing this, he has everything to lose. But he wants Mark with him. And it just shows us that really when it comes to, to living for Christ, when it comes to, to ha- living for Christ and handling conflict, that our only option is one that says, I'm going to choose to forgive. And we have to remember what Jesus said about forgiveness. Jesus says that if you withhold forgiveness from other people, God himself will withhold forgiveness from you. And, and if we were to be really honest, like that's, that should scare us. But not only should that scare us, but it should cause us to look at our lives and say, okay, am, am I really forgiving people? Because sometimes we'll say, like, well, yeah, I forgive them. I choose to forgive them. But then nothing really changes. And so it's worth asking, okay, well, what is, what is forgiveness? And when it comes to forgiving someone, what you are saying when you forgive someone is you're saying, I am not going to make them pay the debt that they owe me anymore. To say that and to not make them pay the debt is to show that you have forgiven. And it fleshes out a lot of different ways. For some of you, man, you guys, you are bark and you are bite. And so for you, man, to forgive them is to not rip their head off when you feel like you should. It's to hold back your tongue when you know that you want to speak. And here's what, and here's, you're paying a debt in that moment because there's probably something inside of you that really feels this need to say what you need to say and to hold back that internal struggle and conflict that you feel in the moment that you hold your tongue, you're absorbing a debt. Because, you, because in your eyes, you have every right to speak up. And that's not to say there isn't a place to, to confront, but the conf- confrontation should always come after forgiveness. Because if it comes before forgiveness, then how do you know you're not just trying to hurt a person, not help them get better? So you're, you're absorbing a debt, saying, hey, I'm not going to do that. Another way that we, we absorb the debt with forgiveness is we, we choose not to talk about people behind their backs. We say, I forgave them, I didn't say anything to their face, I just let it be, but man, when their name comes up in a group that they're not in, oh man, I'm going to say all the things that I would have said to their face, and if you, you haven't forgiven them, you're, you're making them pay for what they did to you, even if you're doing it indirectly. But in that moment when their name comes up, and maybe even someone says something good about them, and you just sit there and you don't say anything... You are paying their debt by holding your tongue. It's hard. But that's what forgiveness does. Another way that we we show that we forgive is, and this is probably where I'm probably the most guilty, is I'm really good at litigating people in my mind. I think of all the things I want to say, and I'll just lay in bed and I'll think about all the things I want to say all the ways I want to bring them down or make them pay for what they did to me. And forgiveness says, I'm not going to do that. And you might think, well, what harm does that do? And I would say, well, why do you do it? Why do you do that to the person in your mind? Well, you do it to the person in your mind because it gives you a sense of power when you do it. And so in the moment when those feelings come up and you want to do that, what you're saying is you're saying, I'm I'm going to deal with the discomfort. I'm going to deal with the frustration of not playing this out. I'm going to trust the person 
who will make them pay someday. I'm going to trust him. What forgiveness does is it pays a debt. I mean, even for Paul, like he, he wrote this in Scripture. You've got to think that he, in some ways he's paying a debt, right? Because here we are looking at it, we're like, maybe Paul changed his mind about what he thought about Acts 15. <laughs> but to forgive is to pay a debt. And forgiveness, it, it's, our, it's our only option in that moment. We see that Paul did that. And so, so it happens. And then, and then the, the last thing that we see here in the text is that we see we can't let conflict, we can't let conflict deter us from what God has called us to do. And this is especially true in the church. I have conversations with people a lot where they're just, they're afraid to get involved. They're afraid to step in. They're afraid to do whatever it is that God's asked them to do. And usually the reason why is is because at some point or another, some point along the way in the church, they were hurt. And they don't, they don't want that to happen to them again. And, and I, I look at this text, and I think, it's such a weird text. I mean, you've got Paul and Barnabas who don't see eye to eye. It doesn't seem like it's a good thing that they split. But then when you look at the end, it's, it's actually pretty amazing that they did. I mean, look at this in verses 39 and 40. Barnabas took Mark and they sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. That because of their conflict, the gospel spread even more. Just crazy. And for us, as we think about things in the church, or we think about things in our life where we've been hurt, I don't, I don't think that the answer is that we stop doing what God has asked us to do just because we've been hurt. That we, we can't let conflict win in such a way that it keeps us from doing the things that God has placed in our heart. So you've got these examples of people in the church where they'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm here, I'm not going to get involved because I just don't want to get hurt. And to that I would say, God has given you a gift and you can't let past hurts keep you from what God's asked you to do today. For some people what it is, is they're, they're like, and, and we do this, right? Where, where there's someone who we have argued with, who we've had a conflict with in the past, and we think, well, because they are there, I am not going to do that. Because they're there, I am not going to go there. I'm not going to be in that situation. And maybe for some of you, that's your story with your families this, this season. And I would just say to you, what if God wants you to go there? What if that's a place that God wants you to be and you're letting this fear of conflict keep you from being in a place where God clearly wants you to go. It happens. For some people, what they do is that maybe they had a conflict because they spoke up at one time in their lives, and they, they, there was the one time they spoke up, and because they did, they're like, it didn't go well, and their thought is, well, I'm never doing that again. And, man, what if God is put things inside of you that you need to say 
and you're to play a role that involves you speaking up. That we have to be careful not to let conflict deter God's mission for us for our lives. Because for all of us, what we can know is we can know that he has something for us. And we can also know that the path to get there sometimes is full of minds, but we still have to keep going. And so for all of us, it's really a matter of evaluating our lives and what we're doing and what we're not doing and saying, is this a bad reason for not doing what God has asked me to do in this moment? So we have to be careful with that as we approach conflict. And so as I close this morning, I would just ask you to consider with the holidays on the horizon, with a polarizing year, and I don't know why we think that turning the calendar is going to make it any better. I would just ask you to kind of look at your life and look at the conflict that's been in your life. Are you someone where conflict just follows you everywhere you go? And if that's true, I think you need to evaluate that. I think you need to consider, okay, why? Why does this keep following me? And maybe you're, maybe you're not. Maybe your situation is different. Maybe there's just a couple things that have happened this year, and it's happened this year because it's combustible, and like you're, you're, you zoom out, and like it just seems pretty rare. Then I would say if that's where you are, you know what? It doesn't reflect where you are spiritually. It just that's how it, it's 2020, man. Maybe some of you are looking at, at past conflict, and it's just caused you to hold on to stuff. Maybe the holidays are tough for you because when you think about the holidays, you think about a circumstance that went really poorly and you just, you're always going to associate that with Thanksgiving. You know, if that's where you are, it's, it's time to forgive. It's time to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absorb the debt because I don't want bitterness to come my way. For some of you, maybe it's not. Maybe it's Maybe, maybe as we're getting ready to head into this season, maybe there is a conflict on the horizon that you just don't even, you don't even see it coming. Man, for you, don't let, it, don't let it keep you from going places where you would normally go. Don't let it cause you to withhold forgiveness, but trust God as you walk through it. And, and the reason why we do this, the reason why we don't run from conflict, the reason why we trust God in the midst of circumstances that we wouldn't want is because that's exactly what Jesus did. That when Jesus walked out of heaven into earth, he walked headfirst into conflict. He walked into, he walked into earth knowing that he was going to die. And he did it for us, and so we should consider his example too as we face these things that we face in our lives. Would you pray with me this morning?